Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back at ours, everybody's welcome to the Kick-Ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after party for people who want just a little more. Kia ora, Jason. Wow, nice to see you after a week of silence I here know. on Kick-Ons Pod. I was kind of mad because, well, firstly, I really wanted to learn more about Wallace in person, but I am... You should listen to the pod. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> but also because you've now done two solo chats and I've done none and I just feel like I've got FOMO about it. And you know what? Each time I've had to go solo, I've made like a new friend as well. Yeah, so which is great. Like jealousy from you. It is, more than for anything. sure. But I can recognize <laughs> that, so it's fine. <laughs> Hashtag real recognize real. Real recognize real. We need to talk about that, but we don't have time to talk about it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> new Zealand Music Month is in full swing. Oh my God. Hey, better, better. Hey, better, better. Swing. It is popping off just like every year. But honestly, do you just feel like you fall in love with New Zealand Music Month more and more every year? Absolutely. And as well as like listening to new music, it really gives me the opportunity to go back and listen to music that I haven't listened to in a while that takes me right back to an exact moment in time and leaves me messaging the group chat did we see these guys live or have I made up this memory? And who, who are you talking about? Well, that is a great question, Jason. <laughs> we always say the music of 2008 holds a special place in our hearts and the Kiwi music of that time even more so. Our guest today released arguably one of the most popular songs of that year, The Letter, with his band Midnight Youth. In the years since, he has mentored artists around the country, released his own incredible solo music, and most recently is the author of Sing Like a Unicorn, a story for kids that encourages its readers to be their authentic selves through the power of singing. We are so excited he's here to celebrate New Zealand Music Month with us. Please welcome to Kick Ons, Jeremy Redmore. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is amazing. Thank you for being here. It, I literally did um, message the group chat today with uh, our friend Tom, who, like, Midnight Youth, it, he was the biggest fan, honestly. When, oh, <laughs> honestly, we were going road trips, and Midnight Youth was the soundtrack to the entire, like, our trips around the South Island. I mean, we were unavoidable enough <laughs> not to have someone playing like forcefully putting the music on in the car as well man and so i apologize no we <laughs> like gladly every, accept yeah. <laughs> and we don't think we did see you live but we've seen you since and that's all that matters yeah 2008 that was um the very start of all the madness that happened over the following like two years mm. it was like two years of craziness um and yeah that that song the letter was the start of everything for us so did you know when you were writing it 
that that would blow up like that. We had no idea, but we knew it was a good song. Yeah. And it was really, the way we wrote it, it was really funny. I've told, told the story a few times, but um, we were, we had a gig on a Saturday and we rehearsed on a Tuesday and we, the guys said, oh, we've got this new song idea and we jammed it out and I was just singing gibberish over the top of this, of these chords in a chorus wow didn't really have any words and the guys were like yeah this song's amazing we've got to do this on the weekend i was like no we're not doing it on the weekend there's no words they're like we'll just make some up before then i'm like i barely have a melody never mind words that i can remember (laughs) in three or four days time um and and so i said no and they were like oh fine and then they basically forced me into performing the song that i didn't know on the saturday and so the only way I could figure out to actually perform this song at the King's Arms in Auckland and not make a fool of myself was to have the lyrics on a bit of paper. And so I made the first line of the song, Yesterday I got a letter, just so I could pull out a bit of paper on stage and have the lyrics with me. Smart. And then I just read from it for the rest of the song. And the rest is history. Yeah, it's mad. That is like a musical theatre move right there. <laughs> I've got a little bit of theatre background in me, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably came from that. How did the band come to be? Were you like friends that jammed together or? Nah, it was, it was back in the days of um, like the music websites were, were just like bands.co.nz and these and, and same with music.co.nz and um and so these guys had, uh, they came second in Rockquest and their singer had quit um, straight afterwards. Um, and I had been in a band and my band had broken up as well. And so I saw an ad for, and it was this ridiculous ad- advert. It was like, um, you know, <laughs> world-class vocalist wanted for global potential rock band. <laughs> Yes. And I was like, this is stupid, this is amazing, but just so over the top and stupid. And I just dismissed it. And then I had a shower, and I remember standing in the shower really quite vividly and thinking, you know what, like, what's the harm in answering this? Maybe they're just ambitious. And that was the case. They had they had this crazy German manager who, you know, didn't have any Kiwi um, humbleness about her so she was just like we want to conquer everything <laughs> um, and th- and she wrote the ad and um yeah i went in i went in uh saw them perform and I, it was like their last gig with the old singer and i was like oh yeah they're all right they've got some potential <laughs> uh and then we jammed for about six months before i actually officially joined because I really wanted to I'd been in bands where it wasn't my kind of music and I really wanted to make sure that I could be part of something where I felt myself and they welcomed me and and made me feel that way and and made me a better person and better musician so it was really cool so as a world-class vocalist where did you (laughs) um, where did you start singing oh I just all the different showers that we had in different houses. <laughs> I've never had a lesson. I've never, you know, studied music. I'm just a pure, I just love singing and I love music. I listen to music constantly. And I think I just absorbed so much music growing up and 
sang so much that just my my muscle <laughs> just grew. But I was 17 before I sang by myself on a stage. Um, I was quite late to it. I wanted to be a sports commentator <laughs> or a vet. Uh, and yeah, one teacher at my high school pulled me out and said, we need a singer for the big band. Can you do this? And I was like, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'll come into my office and sing the song. And it was easy. Uh, Faith No More's version of the Commodores um, classic. And he said, just have a go. And I sang it and he was like, yep, that'll do. We're going on tour in a month or something. Wow. And uh, we, we played to Morrinsville Intermediate. Big, big hit the big time quickly. <laughs> and um, we, they, the big band did, you know, six songs. And then I came on as, as the one singer and finished with this, you know, classic track. And the whole, the whole hall went crazy. And I was like, oh, this feels good. I like this. Yeah, got involved with some, some mates who were writing music and it was all very casual until university for me. And even then I wasn't studying music, it was just hanging out with people making music together. Cool. How did you find uh, beginning songwriting? Did you take to it quite quickly? No, no one does. I wrote <laughs> horrific songs. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose it, it's like anything else. It's, it's a muscle that you build. And you have to write bad songs to eventually get to good songs. I th maybe I had a bit of a head start with um, an instinctive um, sort of melodic calling because I, I just listened to so much music and um, was always singing that when I sang along with something fresh, I found it quite easy to come up with melodies. Lyrics, lyrics were always difficult for me and... Um, that was the thing that took a bit, bit of time. And then just learning songwriting and, and the structures and everything. I, I think I did it. And I went to my, I went to the, the, the one songwriting sort of conference thing that I've been to. This guy from Berkeley University started listing all these songwriting tools. And he would list one and I'd go, oh, do I do that? Oh, I do. <laughs> and then he'd list another one. And the same would happen over and over again. I was like, well, somehow I've just unknowingly come across these tools and I think it's just osmosis from listening to so much music fully it sounds like everything kind of just like was pushing you to do music yeah yeah I mean there, there was a point in my life it's funny we're talking on Mother's Day and um it's uh it was very much for me it was a it's a it's a bittersweet story where I was in in my last year of school and my mum passed away quite suddenly and there was something that happened in that period which which called me to to do to express something and all of a sudden yeah i didn't i wasn't bothered about being a sports commentator or a vet anymore i just wanted to um express um this sort of yeah a new source of emotion that was inside of me and it, that was just the way to get it out and I think it always has been since then there's just a sensitivity that comes with going through um that kind of life-changing moment you become Fully. more aware of just everything around you. you notice things and you feel more things and you I suppose you have more of the sense that hey we <laughs> life's pretty fragile and it could end at any time so just do the things that that you're drawn to and 
music was something I was all of a sudden drawn to more than just by just putting on Roxette's album. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Celine Dion's latest. That was always my big bangers. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Last night I had some wines and did a full Celine Dion concert in yes. the living room. Honestly, she is my hero. That is just so hot of you to say. Oh, like there's, there's multiple people around Auckland who've seen me drive past and I'm just, I'm just near far. Yes. <laughs> you know, it just goes. The best way to start the day is, is listening to Celine Dion before you have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. It really is so good. So you must have joined the band. Was that reasonably close, like close after finishing school or was there? Uh, it was, it was, uh, I think it was near the end of uni for me, but I'm, I'm a bit older than the other guys. I'm, a, I'm, I think like three or four years older than the rest. So, um, they were just out of high school. I was, mm. I was the dad. Yeah. Was that quite an intense thing to go through as someone in their like mid early twenties? It seems like a lot. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I really feel for young people in the spotlight these days, and maybe they have more practice at it because, because I didn't grow up with where everything could be captured and mm. saved forever on the internet. It was a bit more, it, it dis- disappeared. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, <laughs> you're just not a whole person. You're just not mature and you've, you haven't learnt about life and you just, you say stupid things and you do stupid things. And I, I was just a geeky kid. I'd never had attention and so when I was in a band that all of a sudden had all the attention, I didn't know how to take it. <laughs> um, the magic of what happened is bigger than all of that kind of noise, in a way. Yeah. It, it's really strange looking back on it. I did a thing on Instagram um, a couple of years ago where I did did that year of 2009, so I, in 2019, I sort of relived the whole year and everything that happened. And there was so much of it when I went back that I just couldn't remember. Mm. And and I think that's strange. And I think that I, I wasn't the person back then who really took in the moment and savoured it. I was constantly like, okay, cool, we've done that. What's next? What have we got on next? What are we going to do this? And how, do we, how are we going to get get the next thing to happen? Rather mm. than saying, hey, whoa, um, we just played a song before the man the second man to walk on the moon came onto the stage and we shook his hand <laughs> yeah that's whoa. madness um we just played to 200 and 200 odd thousand people at auckland domain like what <laughs> but i don't think i really knew what was going on yeah it was it's strange to look back when you ventured into your solo work what was your approach that whole period of 2012 13 14 was really hard really stressful one it was you know this band that we'd spent seven years on coming to an end and i i was the one who instigated it um i felt that at the time that everyone was just miserable and and no one was going to do anything about it. I couldn't see an end to the misery and I couldn't see a a way that it could be happy. And I just didn't want to be in that environment. So I 
quit. Um, and so that was stressful. Then shortly after that, we found out that we'd had a lot of money um, go missing. Um, and so we spent the next two years trying to track that down and try to stop more of it go missing. I mean, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd say more, but it's like, who knows whether the, these people will sue. Yeah. <laughs> but we've, we've got like every piece of evidence, but it was just so, str- I, I ended up in hospital because it was just so stressful. Um, I was yeah. so sick because every few months we'd discover another thing that had happened and it would be this horrific kick to the guts, you know, yeah. absolute betrayal. And, um, and so then also yeah, I'm trying to keep some musical momentum and record some, some new things and I didn't have a management and I was self-producing a record. So it was really full on. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was to make something that was light. The last Midnight Youth record was, was quite angsty and heavy and, and aggressive. And I, it, I, that, it got to a point where I was like, hey, this isn't me. I'm, not, I'm really not that person. Um, and I wanted to make something that you could put on the car and drive with, and it's just nice melodies that you can just sing along with and nothing too confronting. Mm. And I got that done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did that and I was really proud of that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a wild time, but there was a lot of relief rather than, um, joy (laughs) when I got to the end of that yeah my goodness and were you on your solo stuff are you mainly still self-producing no I mean that was out of necessity I couldn't find anyone who who wanted who could do what I wanted to them to do Mm. I just kept asking producers like hey do you want to do when you want to make a record and and this is the kind of vibe these are some references what do you how would you go about doing this and they just everyone and all the producers I talked to were just like Oh, yeah, we'll just put a band together and we'll get in the studio and see what happens. And I was mm. like, well, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. Um, and so, yeah, after that record, I I was, as I say, pretty stressed out. And my partner at the time was like, hey, let's go move to Canada. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and I just put down the guitars and I stopped singing and I just went to Canada and I worked in a coffee shop and traveled around and met new people and I wasn't a musician. No one knew I could sing or do anything except when we went to karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was quite freeing to do that. So, but when I came back um, in 2017 to be like, Hey, let's, let's get some more music out. I I wanted to work with a producer who would take my rudimentary musicianship because I, I love singing. I'm really good at singing, but I'm not a great, instrumentalist and I'm not uh, uh, a musician in terms of being trained so there's lots of things I don't know and I'd love to I'd love to work with people who do and so I found a producer his name's Nick Manders who just who just tapped into the emotion of what I was doing with the music and yeah it was an it was an incredible he did an incredible job producing that record in terms of um, taking my vision and bringing it to life 
Yeah, it's amazing. I it's like, pretty intense, it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love how orchestral it is. I just like there's so much to hear, I, which is like a silly thing to say when you're listening to music. But I just like and the I think if I was in a room, it just like surrounds you. The sound. It's well, you know so what? Great. I think the same thing. And so next month, I'm actually releasing the whole record, or pretty much the whole record, as an instrumental. Oh, wow. Version. Because I actually listened to that version more than the one with my <laughs> voice on it. <laughs> That's so great. Like, yeah, I could um, see, like, I, you almost see, like, um, paintings and, like... Cityscapes and things, yeah. Yeah, when you listen to it. That's amazing. That's so exciting. Well, it's funny you say that because that's how I how I would describe things to Nick when we were producing a song. I'd say, ah, oh, right now this sounds like we're driving through the city and it's, and it's LA and it's the middle of summer. I said, I want Chicago midwinter in the middle of the night. And he's like, mm. oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll just transform it into <laughs> that. And so I was constantly describing all of these sort of scenes that you're talking about. Mm. And he would... You know, some producers like that, like a visual reference, and I think that worked for for Nick. Yeah. <laughs> How great that you found him to be able to interpret what you meant. That's right. Yeah, I was very fortunate, and yeah, made made a friend for life as well, which is really cool. How was releasing um, something in twenty twenty? Mm. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> I I had this grand idea. You know, this this album with mine was was made up of five chapters. And I released them bit by bit over five months. And March 2020 was the fifth month. And uh-huh. so I'd been building up and building up and building up and had all of these plans. I was going to play shows. I was going to um, do all of this amazing media. And then literally, what was it? Uh, yeah, le- uh, five days out, everything was cancelled. Mm. And... Uh, uh, it was just so deflating because you've got this vision that you've been working so hard to bring to life and you can't do it. And all of a sudden, the other thing was this album's pretty heavy. It's pretty sad. And it wasn't, it was too much for people to listen to when Mm. the world was falling apart. If you listened to it, then it was like, Whoa, this is, I'm going to just start crying for a week. So I don't, people wanted to hear more uplifting things. So it was just a lot of things went against it. Um, the people who could handle that intensity had more time to sit down and listen to it and absorb it, which was really great. Um, but, and I got some really amazing messages and, and still get people saying how much they love those, those songs. But yeah, there's a part of me that's like, Oh, what? And so I spent that first lockdown writing songs from stories that people, I I sort of asked people to send their lockdown stories in. And I'd write songs from them. And I did that for however long it was and got about 10 songs out of that. And that was my solution to do something at that time because promoting a whole bunch of sad songs just felt really wrong. The theme of this year's New Zealand Music Month is level up our local talent. And I feel like you're someone... Level up. I feel like you're someone who is really involved in the New Zealand in the music industry I'm involved um, 
where I can. Yeah. Um, I work with the New Zealand Music Commission to get into schools. I work for, uh, I do bits and pieces for Rockwest and and um, I've got a session this week with the winners of the hook, line and sing-along competition recording their song. Um, <clears throat> and I get musicians asking questions and I'm pretty damn straight up about it. <laughs> I'm also just, a, a, when you get to my age, when you get into your your mid-30s, you're kind of out of date in the music industry and everything just moves on. And so um, it's hard to be really involved in the music industry. Well, then what led to the book, Sing Like a Unicorn? How did oh. it come to be? It yeah, I think it came while I was living in Canada and I wasn't writing songs and I wanted to, I actually wanted to write a, a book about how to find your um, your own unique singing voice mm. and, and sort of a guidebook, a step-by-step -step guide. And I wanted to write a little poem to start the book. And um, I sat down and I wrote, started writing and this poem just flew out of me really fast. And I sat down and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this could be like a, a kid's book. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent it to a friend of mine who I was in a band with years and years ago who I knew made these amazing little illustrations and said hey what do you think of this idea of turning this this poem into a a book he was like oh yeah that could be cool and I was like well how about you have a go at like one page and and see if that looks like something that's doable and mm. he he did he did one page and I was like holy crap this is like this could be so exciting to be to create together because wow. he's such a unique illustrator um it's not like any other kids book that i've seen in terms of the illustrations mm -hmm. um and so yeah we just we sort of encouraged each other and over the next 18 months he worked on the illustrations they took took a long time mm. um and i always had it on my list of things to do so when i did my solo album and got that out of the way and out of my system um it was like, okay, cool, what's next? And, and COVID was still going. So I was like, hey, man, I, we can't do shows. I can't earn an income that way or most ways. So let's just do another, let's get this book done. And so, um, yeah, we just brought it to life. And um, it's been such a really refreshing project to do because it's, it's fun, it's lighthearted, it's hopefully helping people feel good and it's bringing some joy into the world and I felt I, after a really intense breakup album that I released, <laughs> it's so nice to be able to do. And also create a song that's just unashamedly a kid's song. Um, yes. So that's, that's, that's the next thing that's out uh, at the end of May is a song and a music video that is inspired by the book. So... And the message, of course, is an important one. I think. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so much. I found so much power, and and. I remember in self-esteem when I was a kid. I mean, when I was a kid, my mum used to, used to always talk about self-esteem, um, and she she would she was always worried about me. I was this tiny child who didn't grow. I had acne and braces and glasses and. And she was just always worried about me and being like talking about how to raise my self-esteem <laughs> <laughs> and and singing was a, a way for, to give me that and to unlock 
this not just give me a sense of accomplishment that I could do something a little bit well, but also when I when I sort of started writing songs and developing my own sound, it gave me a better idea of who I was as a person, mm. um, especially the songwriting part of it. Um, and so that's there's lots of power in that and knowing who you are and having a sense of of those slices of what makes up you as a person and if you can get a couple of them through singing um okay that's really cool and you don't have to be a great singer it's just just standing on stage and not imitating your hero but taking that and and doing it your own way um yeah yeah actually like honestly nothing feels as freeing as just like singing just like for the sake of singing it just feels so so good i encourage anyone even if you think you can't sing to sing because it honestly will change your whole perspective on your day totally that's right <laughs> I, yeah. I do it every day yeah <laughs> i also think it's a, a a myth that people can't sing i actually don't believe that there are many people out there that can't sing it just like when people say i can't sing i'm like no you can and if you can't then it will be really obvious. Yeah, and now we'll be like, and we have a book that you can read. (laughs) Yes. So anyone that is needing to buy gifts for a child, sing like a unicorn. You should be so proud, honestly. Like, you created something really amazing. (laughs) No, thank you, I am. Totally, (laughs) totally. Well, speaking of something amazing, Jeremy, we need to ask you what your life of the party is. Something in the world, culture, whatever, that you're just really excited about at the moment. I, um, I watched a movie recently that I, no one had, had recommended. I'd completely stumbled upon it. And I just sat there going through the full spectrum of emotion. It's, it's, a, it's a movie called Blinded by the Light. It was from 2019. And it's, um, it's made by... Um, British, Indian or Pakistani uh, directors and producers and and cast, and it's set in the time period in Britain where you know it was very xenophobic, it was very anti-immigrant, and it centres around a Pakistani immigrant family and a teenage boy, and he is, is you know he's bullied, he's an outcast, he doesn't have he doesn't have any friends. And he gets given a Bruce Springsteen tape. <laughs> and his whole life just gets transformed. And it's kind of got these, this kind of, it's stylistically a little bit tyker. And it's, um, it's so, so great uh, in a really sweet, um, sweet way. It's got darkness to it too, but it's, um, I w- it just hit me because I was not expecting it. I was not expecting such a great movie because I hadn't heard about it, and totally by chance, and it had me just crying and singing and, um, and it. yeah, it was and, and laughing. It was so good. So that if if there's something to check out, um, blinded by the light. Really Great. Cool and then on the other spectrum, what is something that's peaked too soon for you? Something that ain't so hot. I, I'm, I'm generally not much of a, I try not to be a negative person, so this is probably a little bit obscure, but um, you know how there's a whole, been a whole bunch of lawsuits 
in the last few years, people mm. suing um, artists for copying other songs. Yes. And there's, there's been a lot of blowback saying, hey, just how are we supposed to write songs? There's like nothing's original these days, so just let us do what we want. And I'm going to call bullshit on that because I think I'm actually all for the lawsuits. I heard a song the other day. It was the most blatant rip-off track, so lazily written and, and produced and so ignorant of what's going on in the world. It just infuriated me. And I think that that people shouldn't be that lazy. It's it's Yes, there's been billions of songs written, but there is also so much variation that you can bring to an idea through the production and the expression of a voice and the expression of all the instrumentation. And there's, there's basically limited possibility, unlimited possibilities in my mind. And if you are... Uh, someone who is passionate about songwriting and putting your music out there, you should be listening to so much music and you should be aware if you're stepping across some lines. And you should also have people around you who are like, yo, you can't do that. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you write all your songs uh, before you go into a studio? I do. I'm, again, I'm not particularly typical. I write songs strange. I write them in the shower write them on a walk i very i've never released a song that i've written as part of a songwriting session mm. because i just don't feel like they're mine i don't feel com- i've never felt comfortable enough to be honest mm. um and it's such a fast process i just don't like the pressure i can make something that takes the piss really easily but that's not something i want to release yeah. so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm sort of a strange one. There's not, yeah. I guess I've the got, benefit of that though is that you can write wherever. There's no constraints around around like, okay, this is now my writing time, and I only have this eight hours. You're like, I'm gonna shower, like in the morning, and then I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of the shower because I'm writing a song. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard stories of record labels like asking artists like, "How do you write songs?" And they're like, "Oh, I write them while driving." And they'll be like, "Cool, we've got you a dry a car, and we yes. fitted it out with a microphone and a recorder, and you just drive, you just go." Wow. And I'm like, oh, if that was me, they'd just kick me out with a huge water tank and a shower and put a microphone. In there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, shall we say the mantra? Yes, we shall. Okay. 2001 to 2008, there ain't a song that we hate. Now, Jeremy, this is our time in our episodes where we take a second to appreciate the music of 2001 to 2008, which is a period of time, but also a feeling. And we are really excited that you're going to add a song to our playlist today. What's it going to be? Okay, so this song I've got good memories of because Midnight Youth performed this song um, at a Christmas party in Greylin in Auckland and we were dressed as elves. Um, <laughs> and I think we played a few... This was, this was like 2007 and no one really knew who we were. Um, so we played a couple of our songs but we did a whole bunch of covers and we finished with this song by the Arctic Monkeys, Fake Tales, 
of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it and it's it's such a great song. And and by the by the end, it kind of ramps up and sort of does it does the um, the ending's quite frenetic. And we had the whole lounge just jumping and pumping and pumping. And as we finished, we could feel the house just moved a bit more than was natural. <gasps> and oh my gosh. Everyone had been jumping so much at once that the whole house moved off its foundations. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we actually rocked the house. With <laughs> yes. That wow, that is amazing. Well, we are definitely adding that to the playlist. And we're actually going to do something that we've never done before, go off book. And we realized earlier that no one yet has added the letter to the playlist. So we are also officially adding the letter to 2001 to 2008 yeah. playlist. It's, a, also, it's a crime And it's check. the only one that can be added. Yes. Really. I know. Well, I think the rest could be because, as I said, we it's a feeling. That means we can break the rules. <laughs> and add songs from the that was legit 90s. though that's legit yeah. 2008 so <laughs> yeah. good so good oh well, thank you that's beautiful well thank you for coming to join us um been so excited about this for a really long time we're glad we could make it happen and also celebrate the launch of the second edition of sing like a unicorn and everyone out there yes. needs to follow jeremy on instagram at jeremy redmore and Go get the book, listen to the album. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you. And that's us. Bye. Bye. See you. <laughs>